Welcome to the Education Game Podcast, the spot for highly engaged parents. I'm Matt Barnes, and on today's show, we've got a mom, Brenda, who's dealing with a really good situation, actually. She's got many options. She's wondering about her school. She's wondering about what her role should be. But as you'll learn, she's got more options than she realized. And I think she's the perfect example of a parent who should be on this show, a highly engaged parent who is helping others learn how to do the same. Before we get started, though, I wanted to get on a soapbox a little bit. I wanted to talk about some of the issues in education that I'm realizing and and seeing that are coming up. In the book of Luke, chapter 14, it says, Which of you, wishing to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the costs to see if he has the resources to complete it? This is a question that every parent is wondering right now. They're figuring out, do they have the resources to educate their child in this virtual setting? My argument is, they have many more resources than they have than they're aware of, and again, you'll hear from some of that from Brenda today. But most parents, they 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 look at themselves and they think that they do not have the skills or the abilities to lead and teach and educate their children, when in fact that's what they've been doing the child's entire life. I remember I, I led a uh, training at a school uh, not too long ago, and thirty or forty parents in the, me- in the meeting, and I asked them. Tell me a time when you played a significant role in educating your child. And to my surprise, I looked around the room and parents, they were scratching their heads. They were trying to figure out when did they play a role in educating their child. And I kept having to remind them who was there when the child was learning how to potty, to use the bathroom on the toilet, right? That was the parent that was teaching that. Who was there teaching the child how to brush their teeth? That was the parent teaching that. Who was there to teach the child how to bathe themselves or to eat with a spoon or to drink out of a cup? I mean, these are things that parents naturally teach, but many of these families didn't realize that they had been playing this ongoing role in educating and training up their child. And so now when they now have this larger role of, of school-related education, now they get nervous, feeling like, maybe I've never done this or I can't do this, and that is not the case. So this show is about helping families realize that they have many more assets and many more opportunities to help their child than they realize. And in this time of coronavirus, now we actually have many more opportunities to accelerate our child's learning, but more so than we ever had previously. And that's the real irony of coronavirus. It creates an opportunity because it's disruptive. So this show is trying to make sure everyone understands that opportunity. Regardless of your income level, there are opportunities. Regardless of your educational level, there are opportunities, but it's going to require a strategy and a plan. So that's what we're going to get into. Brenda is going to be a great example for that for that for us. But the other thing I would like to talk about before we get into the conversation with Brenda is a little bit about kind of where we are in this season of education. We have to recognize that the educational system in which all of us grew up in is simply unprepared to handle what's happening right now. It's unprepared. And that's no fault to the courageous educators that are out there right now who are literally putting their lives at risk by going to school. It's no fault of theirs, but the reality of the moment 
is such that the system is unprepared for what we've got going on. So now parents have to fill that gap. And I will add that they have to fill that gap without being compensated for their time. That's a conversation for another podcast, though, I will tell you, because that is eating me up that parents, many parents, many of the parents I've talked to are having to choose between going to work and helping to keep their child on the academic path towards success. That is a choice that most of us would never want to make, but some families are stuck in that position. They have jobs that they must go to work, um, jobs that they do not have time off or PTO time, right? So these are these are families who are really struggling. But, but even with those families, I will be clear, even with those families, we can develop plans to help keep their child learning. So that is, again, what we're about this show. So back to the moment and how the system is unprepared. Every parent has to think about two basic questions as they wrestle with this moment. The first is, when will their school get back to normal? I want to dwell on that question. We'll handle the second one later. The first, this question, when will school be normal again? We must appreciate that that time period is going to be months from now. We are going to be disrupted for months. Therefore, every parent should be thinking right now about how do I make sure that the next four, six, nine months goes as well as humanly possible. And for many parents, they're saying, hmm, how do I make sure that these next four, six, eight months are far better than what would have happened either last year or what would have happened um, if they were in the normal school without, uh, without the disruption that's happening? And to me, that is the more interesting, the more exciting question. How do we make education better in coronavirus than it was? Now, that's going to require a lot of assets coming to bear on on education, particularly the parent. But it also is going to require a shifting of power. So parents now are going to make many more decisions about what's going to happen in the educational life of their child because the child is in their home. It's going to require the parent to have a very different mindset. I call it the head coach mindset. This is the mindset that says that I, the parent, am responsible for the educational life of my child. It's not the teacher's responsibility. It's not the pastor's responsibility, not the, you know, the, the football coach, the youth pastor, not my, my parents' or grandparents' job. No, it is my responsibility to lead my child's education. And that head coach mindset means I don't have to necessarily do all the work, but I sure as heck am going to make sure that the work gets done. Now, as we transition to the conversation with Brenda, Brenda is not wealthy, but she is a planner. And many years ago, she made some really smart moves to make sure her finances allowed for their family to live on one income. And right now, that allows her to consider staying home with her child, which is what she's looking at doing right now. So education, it touches on so many areas. It's not just about education. It's about personal finance. It's about culture. It's about our values. It's about everything that means family. So after the break, we will start our conversation with Brenda. Stay tuned.
Okay, we're back and on the line with Brenda from Houston, Texas. And Brenda has a four-year-old who turns five in December, struggling with lots of things. The first one is she's been supporting her son, training him, teaching him. Currently, she's not working uh, and she's wondering if she should play a more active role, possibly even homeschooling. Now, complicating this decision is the school that her son was supposed to go to this year was rezoned. And so now it went from a school that she was really comfortable with, with to a school that she's not comfortable with. And so then she looked for some other uh, options and she found another school, a charter school that would accept her son. But now virtual school is here with coronavirus. And now she's wondering, what does she do? Is that, Brenda, did I capture that pretty accurately? Yes, very yeah. bad. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well, so I'll tell you, Brenda, I'm actually, you're in a pretty good spot. Uh, you have many options available to you. You may not see them as all good options, but actually I see many possible ways this could go. Um, first off, um, you have the back pocket option that a lot of parents can't consider, which is homeschooling, right? You sounds like you have enjoyed it with your son so far. Yes, right? I have. Um, you know, how's he doing academically? What is he? He's, he's good. He's already, um, learned, um, many of his sight words. Mm -hmm. Um, he knows how to count all the way to 20 to 30 in Mm -hmm. English, Mm -hmm. Spanish. He knows uh, all the way to 20. So what we've gotten into a schedule that it's like we work for in an activity that might take us maybe 25 minutes but it's just like one thing that he's focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I give him like a 15 minute or 20 minute break. Yeah. And then we yeah. were, we work on another activity. So if we started reading now, we do some math. If we did some math, we do some art. Yeah. Um, and then we take breaks in between. And Got that it. seems to have worked. Uh, be- so, at first I was hesitant, but it seems like it's working because he's now repeating a lot of the stuff without me even asking him. Yeah. Yeah. So let me pause you for a second. So one of your hesitations about moving into this new school year in a public school is uh, about virtual school. And uh, when you talk to your child's teacher, potential teacher, that teacher said they don't really know how this is going to work yet. And um, you sounds like your son wasn't in school back in the spring, but a lot of families were really horrified at just how much time their child was expected to spend to spend in front of a computer, uh, particularly at the young ages, it was really quite quite uh, unacceptable to many. So, the school not knowing is understandable because there's just so much movement going around in, in these in these times, so so much disruption. But it certainly doesn't leave you with a sense of confidence. Correct. Right? All right. So, so I mentioned homeschooling as a potential back pocket option. Um, why isn't it your number one option? So what I've been struggling in that is since I've been trying to, since I left work and I've been um, taking care of my son and trying to teach him is Mm -hmm. what are other techniques or other options of teaching him something? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like right now we've been doing math. Um, He likes Legos. He likes dinosaurs. So we started doing Legos and dinosaurs. Look, if you add one more, how many do you have? So he would count but he would go back and count from the beginning and back and forth. Yeah. Um, and at first it was, that was fine, but now it's like, okay, it's been a while. And so mm-hmm. I started looking, okay, well, let's see if he draws out the images instead of having the Legos or the actual dinosaurs there. Yeah. It, 
is almost was the same thing. And then I did a number line and I feel like the number line clicked, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is it, it a surprise for me, but it's something that I had to look into right. and see, okay, let's try this. If this doesn't work, let me try something else. Right. And so right. now the number line does help them with adding and then subtracting a number. Right. right. Um, so we stuck with that. Good, good. So well, those are my things that I'm yeah, I, so, it's like, what other techniques can I use that can help my son learn? Right. So essentially, you're, the reason that it is not your number one choice is because you're concerned about your own ability to educate him in a way that gets him prepared for adult life, right? Correct. And that's a reasonable question. But I, I asked that question just to kind of press you uh, to get a sense of why you may not. So the reason that I started the conversation was saying that I think you're in really a great great position is because you can actually do both. You don't have to decide right now whether you're going to homeschool or whether you're going to charter school or, or public school. You can actually right now stay, keep him in your the school that you have chosen, the charter school you mentioned, and evaluate knowing that your back pocket option might actually be a better choice. So here's what is likely to happen. Um, school starts in, you know, what did you say a week from now or two weeks from now? Yeah. Monday. Yeah. So a few (laughs) days from now. Um, and when it starts, you then, the first thing you're trying to do is evaluate just kind of the structure of it. And if there is an exception or expectation that your child spends, you know, an unusually large amount of time on the screen, then that's probably strike one, right? What I would recommend uh, is for you to call the teacher today if you're able to. See if you can get a hold of the teacher and get some last-minute sense of what is going to be the plan. Particularly, uh, there's this concept called synchronous and asynchronous learning. Essentially, long story short is how much time is your child going to have to be engaged in, in education from the teacher per day? And what might that look like? Because you know your son and you probably can start to go, hmm, that may not work, or boy, there's a lot of flexibility in that. That may work perfectly. Because to me, the ideal would be you have the teacher providing some of the kind of technical support, and you providing ongoing enrichment and um, reinforcement when, when school, when the computer is not on, right? That's kind of how I would see that being the potentially best of both worlds. Now, remind me, what's your sense of how to use screens in your home? Do you have a philosophy about computers and screens being good, bad, or indifferent? So I think it's good. Um, The reason I say that is um, he does have screen time, but the screen time has been watching videos, um, whether it's uh, phonics, um, the blend uh, Mm -hmm. words. So that's what he watches. Good. Um, And then towards the end of the day, I do let him watch a movie mm-hmm. because we've already did all of our activities for the day. Yeah, and then true. after that, we have, we go outside. Um, so I do allow screen time, but the screen time uh, is normally when I have to do something sure. and he, he can be entertained by watching those videos. And I know it's something that he's going to end up learning yeah. and not just wasting his time. Good. So you have some limits is yes. what I'm hearing. Some limits on screens. Good. So I know some parents have said, I'm not so sure how comfortable I am with my four-year-old now using the computer as his dominant um, you know, educational tool. 
but I'm hearing you saying that you have some screen time already. He's got some comfort. You have some comfort with screens. So that's good. Um, so I think you're in a position now where for the first week or so, maybe two weeks, you are assuming you're going to be playing a larger role in your child's education. You should, I would recommend that you not do anything different or maybe say it differently, that the level of leadership that you're giving your child now that it continues the first few weeks of school because you're not sure yet how the school is going to operate. And frankly, the teacher may be completely overwhelmed. This is such a difficult spot for teachers to be in, right? Never happened before. And so in some level, you being able to handle and make sure your child is learning every day, regardless of what's happening with the school, that means your child is actually going to be, is going to do pretty well, regardless of what happens with the school. Now, there's another part to this, which may be where you could actually help the teacher because you probably understand more of what life is like at home for most moms than the teacher might. I'm not sure if the teacher has kids or, you know, so you actually might be in a position to coach the teacher about, hey, you know what, this is way too much time. Can we figure out some other way to, uh, to teach this concept without the child being on a video screen for 40 minutes. He won't pay attention for 40 minutes. We lose him after 10, right? That's where another role that you might play to help facilitate. Um, there's, there's a concept that I talk about in my work where um, educating a child is a team sport. And so when I talk about it being a team sport, that means you are the head coach as the mom, um, or the dad, whomever in the family has decided that they are going to be the chief of their child's education. And the school and the teacher really are assistant coaches. That means they come alongside you and they help you achieve the goals that you've set for your child. Now, because there's such disruption, your leadership role will be even more important now than it has ever been. Because again, you might be the backstop for a school that may not function well for the next few few weeks, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And or you might decide to pull the plug after two, three, whatever the number of time, number of days it goes on or number of weeks it goes on where it's just not working. And you say, you know what, I'm going to pull the plug and I'm going to explore returning maybe at second semester or I'm going to explore continuing on in a homeschool environment permanently or at least until some later point in the year or years that you decide you want to reinsert. So this to me is a really great opportunity. And so we got to go to commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to you a little bit about what are some of the things you could do in preparation for for either one of these options. Okay, back in a moment. Okay, we're back with Brenda, who is a really intentional mom who's doing a lot of good work with her son, who is four. Brenda, so you mentioned that you had some concerns about your ability to educate your child well, whether you're homeschooling or, or even if the child is doing this virtual environment. What are some of the ways that you have learned how to improve your own ability to teach your child? What are some of the tools that you've used so far? So I've been doing a lot of Printouts. And since I'm at home, I've been printing out some a lot of worksheets. Mm-hmm. I've bought in different kinds of books as well in order to get, I guess, different ways of how they explain certain things. Yeah, and then try to explain it to my son. Something that I have noticed is that my son is very—he doesn't like to stay still. 
Yeah, that's unusual. And sometimes I feel like he's not paying attention, but yeah. lately he's he's been proving me wrong. Um, he does pay attention. So I, I, during the things that I do, I try to do some activities of you need to follow the directions. Mm-hmm. Um, stand up. I need you to stomp your feet. I need you to clap two times and then just keep them moving mm-hmm. and then relax mm-hmm. and then sit down and then we can concentrate. Yeah. Or if something's not working and he's not getting it, and I'm getting kind of frustrated. I'll just stop and just say, okay, let's just leave this. Let's go and do something else. Uh, why don't we color or do something with your puzzles? Because he yeah, loves to come back to it and then yeah. come back. Yeah. yeah. Um, that way it gives me time to just relax and think, okay, what something's not right. Maybe my tone is not helping or he's done more than what he should have. And mm-hmm. now he's not concentrating. So, so let me ask you, where are you getting the materials? You mentioned that you're printing out. I've been getting it from teachers, teachers, yeah. pay teachers, teachers, websites and things like yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pinterest. I've yeah. ordered some books mm-hmm. um, from, from bookstores to just read and go over. Right. So conversations just... that I've had with other parents and things that they're doing to entertain their kids. Right. Right. So, so again, I, what I'm trying to do is point out that you are learning alongside your son. You are, <laughs> you're starting the process of figuring out how do I make sure my child's learning what he needs to learn. And that, that means you as the head coach have to now go out and learn things as well. So you're not just trusting that your own educational experience is sufficient to teach your child. You're preparing yourself to get ready for being a teacher, right? Yes. He is, he's totally different from how I would study and do my, my yes. work. Yes. God has a way of, of uh, cursing us by either, by either giving us a child who's just like us when we were terrible or giving us a, a child that's very different. And now we have to learn how to handle the different. Yeah. Child. So that's so, something that I've, I've learned. Yeah, I've been yeah. learning. So, so back to this core question about what your options are and what are you going to choose? I'll reflect back to some of what I'm hearing. And I hope other parents who are listening to this hear this as well. You have assumed the role of head coach and you now know as head coach, your job is to monitor and prepare your child for their adult life, regardless of what's happening in the school. So when you see a deficit, you're going to step in and start to learn what you need to learn and to support your child. That is the mindset of a homeschooler, whether or not your child is in public, private, charter, or at home. You have the mindset of a homeschooler. and Every parent has to assume that mindset, especially right now when there's such disruption going on. So in addition to the ways that you've talked about learning already, there's a ton of great stuff on YouTube around how to help a parent learn how to teach their child. Tons of great stuff. And then the books that you're mentioning, I can actually give you some resources to find others. And they're, you know, these are fairly cheap stuff, but it's really about creating a routine, a habit of learning where the child now realizes that every day we're going to be exploring something. We're going to be, um, you know, practicing something. And, uh, and as you watch him grow, it's going to be really rewarding because you're going to know that you were playing a very important and central role in their learning. So for all the parents out there, Brenda is showing the model of how to make sure your child is, is, is successful regardless of the school or regardless of the disruption that's happening at the time. And so Brenda, kudos to you on that. Thank you. I was What's like, you don't um, feel like, am I doing it right? <laughs> Well, so let's, let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk about that a little bit. There is no right way to educate a child yes. because every child is different. 
And so what you're learning is you're becoming an expert in your child. And as you become an expert in your child, you will become an expert in what things work for him and what things don't. There is, again, where you can begin, if your child does go back to public school, you can begin to inform your teacher, hey, you know what? He's not the kind of kid that's going to sit in front of a TV or a screen for 30 minutes and do an exercise. It's not going to happen. So how about this, teacher? How about when that screen is up, up and running, you'll know that we'll be on it for the first 10 minutes, but then we're going to turn it off and we're going to do the same thing that you're going to be doing, but we're going to do it in a different way, right? So, so the teachers, are, again, are going to need some comfort, some comfort from you if you do insert them back in the public environment. They're going to need some comfort to know that you own this responsibility. They've been burned many, many times for parents who say, teacher, teach my child, right? Who just completely abdicate their responsibility and they look to the teacher and they get angry at the teacher if the child's not learning. That is not you. So you need to make sure the teacher knows you are the type of parent that is leaning into this thing, this educational process, and you're going to handle stuff better in many cases than it's than it's possible for her to handle in a classroom of 20 kids in a virtual environment. Does that make sense? Yes. And so again, when you call the parent, the teacher this week, if you're able to get a hold of her, let her know that, you know, what you've been doing already, uh, that you've been, you know, getting books and you've been working on and, and your child is reading at a certain level and your child is, uh, you know, able to recognize and count at a certain level. And then you might want to look at her like you look at a pediatrician. Right. When you take your child to the doctor's office, you say, doctor, what should I do because my child is gaining weight or he's he's not brushing his teeth or whatever the issue is. Right. The doctor then says, based on my experience and my expertise, try this and this and this. Now you go home and you do it. That's the relationship, ideally, that we start to create with the teachers where the teacher is the expert and you now see them as an expert that when you're stuck or there's something that's not working right, you can now say, hey, teacher, help me, help me figure this deal out. I've got a problem with my son. He's, you know, he's not getting addition. What are some thoughts you have? And the teacher, knowing that you are going to take her advice and actually do it at home, is going to love you <laughs> because that's what teachers want. They want kids to be successful, just almost as much as parents want their kids to be successful. So when they get around a parent like yourself who is showing this type of in intentionality, they're going to love it. Trust me on that one. So again, to summarize, you've got option one, stay in the public school, the charter school that you're in, see how it goes. Option two, if it's not going well, you can coach the teacher a little bit, see if you can help to resolve some of the concerns by letting her know or him know what things are really not working very well, right? And then option three is maybe the best option, maybe it's some combination, but option three is I'm going to homeschool. In all of those environments, you're always already going to be homeschooling. You're going to be doing math at home with your son. You're going to be reading books with your son. Uh, you're going to be following up on assignments that the school is providing with your son, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes. so, so really, this is not really a choice. It's really more of a here are my options, and as I get more information, then I will make decisions. And we don't have enough information at this point, really. I think for you to make a real solid decision, but I will ask for a couple things. I will ask you to never forget a couple really important things. And for all the parents listening, I hope you hear this really, really closely. We tend to throw out conversations around this is a good school or that's a good school. I just want us to stop that language altogether. Here's why. It can create a sense of complacency, right? When you say my child's going to a good school, you might say, well, I don't need to, I don't need to lean in quite as much. Eh, the school's going to handle it. No. Instead of saying my child's going to a good school, 
my child is going to school. My role as the head coach parent doesn't change. I decide on the expectations for my son, not the state institution. And unfortunately, I've seen all too often that the institution has a standard, but that standard is not high enough for a child to really be a high-functioning, highly prepared academic and citizen. So your, your expectation level will need to be higher than any school you go into. Uh, you're going you're gonna to expect your son to read not just on grade level, but a year or two ahead of grade level. You're going to expect your son not to just do math on grade level, but to do a math a year or two ahead of grade level. I mean, these are the types of things that I don't want you to, to get complacent and just assume that the teacher's got it, that the school's going to get my child ready. Unfortunately, that does not happen nearly to the degree it needs to. That's the parent's job to make sure the expectations remain high. And then at times, pushing on the school to, to increase their expectations. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. So really important point. And um, if, you can, if you can own that, then that means you're going to constantly be creating what I call a shadow school. Whether your child is in charter school or not, you're going to create your own expectations and academic processes at your home. So in the summertime, you guys are reading a lot. You, he's doing math, maybe not nearly as much as he might do during the school year, but he's doing some every day, right? That, that is the kind of mindset that propels a kid so far ahead, particularly when you're starting out at a young age like your son, right? So that's the part I want to leave you with and make sure that, that you don't lose the intentionality and the, um, the, you know, the sincerity of effort that you have with your son right now. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It makes perfect sense. Okay, we're back with Brenda and just a great conversation. I so love talking to parents who have chosen to to kind of lean in to the education of her child. She's got a uh, four-year-old, sounds like a nice young man in development. Um, And she's weighing this question of, do I send my child to school with a virtual environment? Should I keep him at home and homeschool him? She's done a lot of work on her own already thus far. And again, I just want to praise her for the leadership she's showing over her child. Um, and, you know, in summary, I think she really doesn't have to make a choice right now. She's got lots of options. And those options, uh, as more information comes to her, she will be making decisions around, uh, you know, should I school at home or should I keep them in the public school? Should I keep them in the school and then support the teacher more since I know that my child is going to be getting good support? Um, my philosophy, Brenda, by the way, is you are the parent. Nobody has a right to tell you what to do with your child, right? That's correct. Unless, yes. unless it's something that's, you know, dramatic and, you know, di- painful for the child or something like that. But that is your responsibility. And when I see a parent who's owning it, all I can do is cheer and, uh, and let you know I'm a resource if I can help. Uh, so this has been great. What other questions do you have that we can go through? No, I think um, you've, you've helped me a lot. And that's something that I've been thinking about these couple so. What you've been saying are things that I've been thinking about. Well, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to just get an experience of how the teacher will be teaching and how my son will learn 
mm-hmm. being virtual. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there are certain things that I can pick up from the teacher of how she teaches um, certain things that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Because yep. sometimes you're so used to doing math easily and then you forget like these basic steps that need right. to be taught for someone right. to learn. So those are things that um, I think I'll learn yeah. through yeah. this um, process. And like you said, um, this is an, an opportunity that I have that a lot of parents don't have. That's right. And that's something that I think God has given me. And I'm just trying to take full advantage of the time that he's given me. Yeah. Um, because I didn't have that time when he was younger. So mm-hmm. now I'm trying to do the best that I can. And in order for him to know that I'm here to help him, um, however I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, let me then, as we start, kind of start to close up here, let me ask you to do a couple things. I mentioned the uh, maintaining of an expectation level that is higher than your school, right? I mentioned making sure that you do not um, fall into the trap of saying that my school, my child goes to a good school. So now I don't have to pay that much attention anymore, which I see all too often. Um, but now as a, as you're raising a four-year-old, a four-year-old boy, I would ask you to really, really, really lean in to reading, right? What I mean by that is um, every day there's a rhythm that you and he, he's sitting on your lap and you guys are reading together. And if you're learning the letter A, you, you read the page and you ask him to point to the letter A's that he sees on the page, right? or B, right? This is, this is part of the process of learning. And as you get to some of the words that he knows as sight words, you ask him to read those words, right? And as there are some letters that you're starting to blend and do and using phonics, blending some sounds, you're asking him to do some of that as you're going through. Reading, if it's meant as a relationship building exercise and really a character building exercise where you and your son are enjoying each other together, enjoying this simple pleasure, that sets the stage for a child that later on says, I enjoy reading. I enjoy reading because it has been, in, uh, you know, the seeds have been sown that make it make this a fun experience for me, not something to be resisted and, and hated, which is what the majority of boys actually go through, particularly our bl- black and brown boys, by the way. Reading had, was one of my subjects that I struggled a lot with. Really? So when I knew that I was having my son, before he was born, I kept reading and kept reading. When he was born, kept reading. Till today, we're still reading. Good. Because I want him to have that habit and to say, look, reading is not bad. I enjoy it. Um, and I don't want him to struggle as much as I had struggled. And I think a portion of it is because I come from a Hispanic family, which they spoke majority Spanish. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. English is my second language. And, and it was just a struggle. And it was just hard for me. And so that's something that I focused from the beginning and I've kept on it. Uh, And every time we go somewhere, go and get a book because we're going to take a while. That way you can, if you can't read it, just flip over. Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) Like we read it. So we read these books. He's starting to memorize them and he's like saying the story by the pages of the images that he sees. So that's something that I am doing. Um, because it's something that I personally struggled with and I don't want him to go through that. Fantastic. And I, I want to, 
again, Brenda, I just, I'm so appreciate this call. Thank you for the call in. I want to, I want to now talk to the folks that are listening because Brenda just talked about something that is so important. She struggled in something growing up reading and there's, there's context about why that is particularly in a Latin home where, where English is a second language. She struggled, but a lot of parents, when they now have a child that they're bringing up, they actually avoid leaning into that struggle, right? So a parent who struggled in math may say, you know what, I'm not good in math. I'm not going to really lean into this with my son. Brenda's doing the exact opposite. And this is going to absolutely result in long-term benefit for her son. She is going to say, and she is saying, I am going to make sure that my son is a reader because I wasn't a reader. So for all the moms and dads out there that struggled in school, this Brenda is, is the kind of the prototype of what I would hope you all to, to explore and to lean in to this thing we call education. Um, I have, and again, last point, Brenda, I have seen so many kids whose parents did exactly what you're doing, exactly what you're doing. And 10 years from now, your child is going to be crushing it. I promise you that. So keep it up. He's going to be crushing it. And we need our boys to step their game up. 70% of the valedictorians in the United States are women. Um, Yeah, the majority of of students in college are women. Our boys are are falling off the map. And so what you're doing now is going to be a great challenge to these trends that we're seeing with our boys. Now, before we move on, I've got to pause and tell you about the reason that you're listening to this program right now. For the parents or grandparents listening, I've got a question for you. Now, have you ever noticed or been in a situation where your child's poor health impacts their learning, where a preventable illness damages their child's short or long-term academics? Here's an example. The child who misses a series of immunizations, who later falls ill and misses a week or more of school, right? It may, it may not seem like a lot, but small missteps can add up in a child's learning. Now, when I worked in healthcare, I, I knew of a young man who had a small medical condition that went untreated for months. His mom didn't have medical insurance, and so eventually that small medical irritant turned into a big, a very big medical problem that kept him out of school for five full months, an entire semester. Now, this is an example of an avoidable problem that can have long-term ripple effects. Community Health Choice is a local nonprofit health plan that has sponsored this show. They believe in something that I believe in in my bones. They believe that every parent wants the best for their child. And if you hadn't noticed, parents... The best doesn't just fall into your child's lap. If you want the best for them, if you want to improve their chances for a stable, happy, and prosperous adulthood, then you, the parent, are going to have to work for it strategically, thoughtfully, relentlessly. And parents, you know, you know this more than anyone else. Community Health Choice has supported this show because they, like me, are seriously interested in giving parents the tools to advocate for their children in education and health, and their support is appreciated. So if you like the show, check out Community Health Choice, your local health plan. So let me do this. I'm going to need to wrap up our conversation, but I want you to hold on line so we can talk a little bit further. Um, You know, so I thank people like Brenda for calling into the show. Um, Her example is such a rich example for other parents. 
Um, and so again, Brenda, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. The education game is brought to you by Community Health Choice, a great insurance company for kids and produced by Pedastri Studios. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and learn more about the show at theeducationgame.com. There you can also sign up for one of my webinars and even schedule an opportunity to, like Brenda, call into the show and speak with me directly. Again, the website is theeducationgame.com. Our guest this week was Brenda calling from Houston, and our producer for the show is Bo York, and I've been your host, Matt Barnes. I look forward to speaking with you again very soon right here on The Education Game. Thanks. Thanks.